Okay, I'm excited. I'm very excited, and I hope to see you fired up and excited about God's faithfulness. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And we're going to let the scriptures really speak to it, obviously. And I hope to kind of tie in uh, some stuff coming from my own personal study, observations, things that have really unlocked my heart over the years, and, and really especially just recently. Um, but first, let's pray and ask the Lord to direct our, our hearts today. Lord, we thank you so much. Father, you are good. We ask that you would open up your word in a dynamic way. Make it go deep inside of us, God. Unlock your mysteries. Unlock your Father's heart. Reveal to us who you are through Jesus Christ. Magnify yourself in our midst. Holy Spirit, Go deep within us. We say yes to you. We say yes to you completely. We say have your way. Release your ministry in this place. Let your presence, as it's already here, let it continue to work in the midst of this place and in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, we're going to go through scriptures today. So if you have your Bible, follow along. It will be up on the screen. But I want to start with... 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13. It is a trustworthy statement, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So I want, to, I want to draw our attention and focus on that aspect that God cannot deny himself. He cannot deny himself in the way that he works his faithfulness towards us. That he is motivated with great zeal and passion and love in his faithfulness towards us. And as we unlock more of this, we're going to see how much of this truly is the work of God in the midst of his faithfulness in, through, uh, and all, all throughout our lives. It's about God's faithfulness producing in us the reward that he wants to give to his son. So, in Philippians 1.6, we can see that Paul was very confident in this and wanted us as well to be very confident. He says, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So the good work that's happening inside of us, the transformative process that's taking place in every single one of us when we said yes to Jesus, Paul's confident, very confident, that that will be perfected and established until the day of Christ. Everything will line up in our lives the way that God has intended it. Why? Because he is faithful to do this. Yes, it's a matter of us surrendering and saying yes. But as we will see, it's really on him to produce this work in us. This is a powerful truth 
that so oftentimes in life, and I say this especially about myself, which is why recently I found myself being challenged of the Lord to rest in Him, that there is so much vying for our, our attention. There is so much pulling on our hearts. And we can get caught in this endless cycle of thinking that we need to produce more or do more. I find it very hard just to stand still. I find it very hard. If you, you'll see me. I, I pace. When I talk, I'm an instructor. I'm a teacher. And I'm always moving. I always have this, this kind of push in me to do something and not just to stand still. But oh, the grace of God that calls us to rest and and he's calling us to rest. And as I began to experience this in my own life, to realize that the pressures of this life will weigh you down, burn you out, and leave you empty and useless. But God calls us into the secret place of hiding in him and abiding in him, trusting in his faithfulness, which will work all things in our lives to this purpose of what? Establishing fellowship, eternal fellowship with Jesus. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 9. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you were enriched in him, in all speech, in all knowledge, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, so that you are not lacking in any gift. Not lacking in any gift. Fully provided for by the Lord. Listen, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end. Blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So fellowship with him is something that God is completely invested in. And he's so invested in it that he has made the way very clear for us. That he has established us in this truth. Why? Because he wants to give us to his son, blameless, fully confirmed, this eternal fellowship that he has given to his son, he takes very seriously, and you and I are part of that. Fellowship equals marriage, as we see in Revelation 19, 7 through 9. So at the end of the age, this is what we see, and this is our inheritance. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. What's the fine linen? For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So that was given to her, correct? That's the way I read that. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true words. And we'll get back to true. So the father pledges a bride to his son. And to ensure that the bride is ready, he invests everything he has into that process because he's not going to let his son down. He's not going to deny himself, right? He puts it on him. 
he establishes right from the very beginning that he will complete this and do this work because that's how much it means to him because he's going to give a pure and spotless bride to his son. He's not going to chance it to a group of people needing to line everything up in life and get it right. He's not, he's not preparing the biggest event in the history of the universe based on this idea that you and I must do certain things to get ready. In other words, he wants to ensure the bride will not only show up on time, but she will be the most beautifully dressed bride that could ever be in all of eternity. So he puts his power, his heart, his motivation, and his zeal in this process so that when his son is there on that day, the bride will be fully ready. That's a pledge. Look at the way that it's said in Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. I'm going to read the whole thing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, very much like 1 Corinthians, not lacking in any gift. Blessed us with every spiritual blessing, giving us everything we need so that when we appear that day before his son, we will be completely ready. Listen to this. In the heavenly places, so he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we could be holy and blameless based on our own works and deeds and the fact that we can get it right, correct? No. <laughs> that we would be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according, now this is the motivation that I was telling you about, What's his motivation? Listen to this. I love this. According to the kind intention of his will. The kind intention of his will. If you have any doubt today that the kind, compassionate, joy-filled heart of your father is working on your behalf, let this scripture today produce in you confidence that God is fully for you with kindness, with mercy, with joy, with zeal, with passion. He would not bring you into a fellowship with his beloved son if he didn't completely love you. He's giving his son the very best, his kind intention of his will. Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved, the beloved being Jesus in that intimate place with his son and with him in eternity. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. As a, as a father that has sons and daughters, I think of the day that I'll have to give my daughter away, and I think, you know, in all honesty, I think about the price tag to that. <laughs> oh, man. But it's according to his riches right? His endless riches is behind this. His endless resources, the resources of heaven to freely give you all things, everything you and I need. 
So according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us, he didn't just sit there and count out a few little pennies and say, okay, with a strict budget and say, yeah, I'll give you a little bit of this, a little bit of this, looking at the dollar signs, looking at the whatever the economy currency of heaven is. He lavished it on us. He said, you cannot deplete my resources. I lavish it on you. In all wisdom and insight, I love it, it's like it continues to stack. So if you thought God, you know, we sing that song, Reckless Love, and I love it, and it's, you really have to understand that. Some people get so bent out of shape about that. But it helps me when I think, if I were... If I, if I had to make a choice of giving the life of one of my sons for a person that was corrupted, evil, had no intention of doing kindness or right to me, and I gave the life of my son, that would be very reckless, correct? So when we are trying to get our hearts and minds around this incredible God who's lavishing all this on us, those are the type of words we pull from, correct? But what's amazing here is when he says, I lavish this on you, he says, it's in all wisdom and insight. So he's not making a mistake here. He's not careless here. This is thought out. This is predestined. This is planned. And everything is, is going According to that plan, even one we don't understand or think that it could be that way, it truly is. So he made, verse 9, he made known to us the mystery of his will. Thank God for this, or we'd still be trying to figure this stuff out. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention. There it is again, in case we doubt it. Which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, would be to the praise of his glory, in him you also after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. So again, how is God ensuring that we will be there at the wedding of the, the Lamb of God? That the bride will be there, will be ready, will be on time. He's pledged his Holy Spirit. He has sealed the deal through his Holy Spirit. To ensure without doubt, without mistake, that we are God's own possession to the praise of his glory. So the Holy Spirit is working in you and I to ensure that we will be that bride made ready for his son. Amen. 
And I hope at this point you're starting because, again, this is something that, that the Lord's been working recently in my heart. I hope that you're starting to think, could it be? Is it? But don't I have a part in this? Absolutely. But I hope you're starting to see how serious God is about this and that he didn't put it all on your shoulders to carry through and to make sure it happens. And we're going to talk, well, what does that mean? Well, it means a lot. And as we go through this, I hope that it brings freedom in our hearts when it comes to knowing him and living and walking out the day to day. In Ephesians 5, 23 through 27, we see it again. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. The more we read, the more we see that it's his work. It's his glory. It's his name. It's his power. It's his pledge. It's his ability. It's his faithfulness. This truth should begin to radically change our lives and direct our hearts in our walks with God. To bring freedom when we start to feel weighed down by our own inadequacies, our failures, the pressures of life, the confusion that sets in. Realizing that I'm holding on to all this stuff, but I never was called to hold on to it. This isn't my ability. This isn't pulling myself up and making it happen. This is God who's predestined this, who has the power, the complete power and motivation and zeal and foresight and wisdom and faithfulness to establish his work that he's begun in me and in you. I wrote a song back in 2002 when I was at the International House of Prayer. And it came out of this desire in me. It's called Free to Love You More. And it came out of this desire of feeling bogged down with my own failures, my, my own selfishness, and the areas that I felt were tangling me up and holding me back. And the biggest part of that song is probably the chorus that says, I want to be free from everything that keeps me from loving you. We've, we've sang it here a few times. The funny thing is, I produced an album back then when I was just starting to, to date Laura before we moved to Florida. And out of this album, there's really not a whole lot of remnants of the songs that I produced, but they all came out of really deep places in my life with the Lord. But that chorus has hung on over 20 years it's still, they still sing it at International House of Prayer, just that chorus. And the reason is, is because it's the gospel and simplicity. Except it's not that I want to be free. We are free. We are completely free 
to love him more and more and more and more. Free from everything that would entangle our hearts. We are free. I don't have to try to produce something to get myself to that revelation. I am free to love him more because look at the resources of heaven and the heart of God and a perfect father full of faithfulness making that a possibility in my life, making me free to love him more because of his kind intention, the kind intention of his will, because he wants a bride that's totally lovesick for his son Jesus a bride that's ready, and he's going to invest everything in that process. And he is perfect, and he does not fail. So I like to think of this place of yielding to the Lord and his work in me in light of Hebrews 10, 22. It says, let us draw near with a sincere heart Everyone say sincere heart. In full assurance of faith. That sincere in the Greek is true, like we just read in Revelation 19.9, where it says, these are, if you remember, the true words of God. That true, that word true is the same as sincere there. So it's a true heart. It's also tied in when Jesus said that the Father is looking for worshipers who what? In spirit and truth. That true is exactly the way it sounds. It's true. So it's a true heart. And the Greek for full assurance is full assurance. <laughs> There's not much to go into with that. But this is what I'd like to bring to your attention. That sincere, true heart is a yes heart. So we complicate things. Um, when really it boils down to yes or no. It's very binary. I remember when I was in high school, a freshman in the early 90s, and I picked computer science as one of the classes I wanted to do. And I remember the first day or so, like, the teacher was just going crazy about the binary number code. And I was like, what? Ones and zeros? That's all this stuff is? Everything I'm looking at? It's all based on ones and zeros? That can't be. But it is. Everything is based on yes or no. It's as easy as that. Can you say yes? Can you say no? <laughs> oh, but it's, it's more complex. I've, I've been walking with the Lord for a long time, and I'm just, I'm struggling in some areas. There's some things that are holding me back. It's really complex. It's not, it's not just about saying yes to God or no to God. There's like, a microchip is complex. It's useless without ones and zeros right? Is life complex? Yes, it is. But it literally boils down to a yes heart, a true heart, a sincere heart, or a no heart. Do I have a no heart or do I have a yes heart towards God? It really does boil down to that. Why? Because we just read through all those scriptures that it is the work of God. So where is my part in this? Can you say yes or do we say no? That's it. Hard to believe, right? But you know what? It also sounds like good news. So listen to this. I love this. I was thinking about this. Good news. What's good news? Well, I think of, you know, the Christmas story. 
as we're getting into that season. And as we read here in Luke 2, as the angel appears to the shepherds, the angel says this, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. That's important. Why? If we say, is it really a yes and no? Yes, it is. But is it a yes and no for everyone? Yes, it is. Imagine if God banked everything, this amazing wedding between his people redeemed by the blood of his son, being married into eternal fellowship with his son Jesus, if he banked it on some qualifiers of how good someone could say yes or no. It would not, the good news would not be good news for all people. There would be a certain select few that could accomplish this based on ability, based on you know, some kind of mental fortitude, based on physical ability, based on characteristics, integrity, experience. It would not be for all people. This has to be good news for everyone. Everyone, the rejects, the failures, the people that are outcast from society, that are lost in some gutter somewhere, good news filled with joy has to be good news for all people. Why? Because that's what the angel said. For all people, not just for a few that seem to get it right. Therefore, it is as simple as yes and no. It is as simple as can I say yes to God, and if I do... He has an endless bank account in heaven, powered by the Holy Spirit to ensure that I arrive to the wedding on time. So, finishing Hebrews 10.22, let us draw near with a sincere heart. Let us come to the place where we say yes. In full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The work is done. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Okay, well, there's some movement. There's some, some work on our part, correct? Yes, but then look what it says here. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. The very ability for us to live this life has already been authored and perfected by Jesus who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart, or literally so that you will not faint in your soul. It's saying Jesus has run this race. He's completed it. It is done. The energy and output you need for the race, he's perfected and authored it. He's giving it to you freely. He's empowering you through the power of his Holy Spirit to run that race. So endure in the sense of endure. 
does not necessarily conjure up, it shouldn't after this, the pictures that we think of endure. Endure is just saying, I'm going to say yes when I feel like saying no. I feel like saying no right now. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to yield. I'm going to surrender because this is the work of God and this is the faithfulness of God. So the provision we need is faith, but that faith has been perfected by Jesus, who is faithful. We can have faith because he is faithful. We love, why? Even love. We can only love because he first loved us. So we can only have faith in this life because he was first faithful. We can only say yes because he said yes to us. John 15, 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. 15, 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I don't know if it could be stated clearer than that, the way that Jesus states it here. What does the vine do without being, a, or a, a branch of the vine? What can it do without being attached to the vine? Nothing. It's a yes or no, right? The vine just receives and accepts everything being provided to it from the vine, the true vine. Notice the word true. Or it dies, and if it dies, it's useless and it's off. It's, you're either hot or cold. You're either on or off. You're either alive or you're dead. You're either saying yes or you're saying no. So when Jesus says abide, it's not this kind of unobtainable idea of, what do you mean abide? There's a storm in the midst of my life right now. What do you mean abide, rest? I feel like I can't do that. But you can say yes and yield your heart to the true vine who produces life and fruit in your life. You can say yes. So if we lay down our will and surrender our hearts to the Lord and let him work this work in us, he will produce the fruit that is worthy of his son's affection. The reward due his son. The bride that's prepared. John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Fellowship with the beloved. Fellowship with the Lord. God has ensured this in our lives. When we begin to yield to the faithfulness of God, by saying yes in our life, no matter what's going on. If it's trial of your faith, if it's trial in, in our lives through finances or relationships or sickness or stress or pressure, I can choose to say yes to what the Lord has already told me and yield my heart and lay it down at his feet. Or I can just say no and keep carrying it myself and end up as a dead branch connected to the vine. 
but he's faithful and he's true to carry out the work that he's begun in me. As we do this, we begin to produce faithfulness. And we begin to show the world the faithfulness of God represented in our yielded lives. So as people are are trying to understand who God is, we say yes, we look more like who he is. We represent and manifest his faithfulness in ways that they have not seen. Their hearts turn to the Lord. I, I, I try my best to ask the Lord every day, Lord, help me be aware of the opportunities you're giving me to be a light. There was one time uh, at, a, at a Wawa, I was coming home from teaching classes at the gym on a Saturday, and I was with my son, Avner, and went in to get a coffee in the afternoon, and um, my son went in, actually it was my son and daughter, it was Avner and Leo, I believe, and they went in to go get a drink at the soda machine or whatever, um, and I was getting the coffee, and a lady came up to me and was real friendly and just started chatting, and I started talking with her, and we were just, I don't even remember what we were talking about, but something just hit me like there was something about her. And I was just going to finish getting my coffee, and she said, oh, are those your two lost children over there? And I said, excuse me? And I looked, and they were looking for me. I didn't see it. And she had made the connection. I think our shirts were the same, and my kids look like me a lot, you know. <laughs> Unfortunately, but they do. And I said, yeah, that's my kids. And she said, yeah, I have some teenagers of my own and this and that. And we said goodbye, and I just, I was struck with this person. I just thought, I don't know what's going on. And then it's like, finally, I, I, it started dawning on me, oh, God, you probably want to do something. <laughs> but I was already, when I figured this out, I was already in the car driving away. I was like, you wanted to do something. I'm praying and asking for these opportunities. And that one, like, you could have, like, slapped me in the face. It was so clear and obvious. And as we're pulling out, I look, and there's a table, and there's a bike, and this woman is sitting down with a guy there at the table. And I was literally ready to pull out, and I stopped the car, and I said, Abner, just wait here. And I ran out. Before I did that, I asked. I said, Lord, I'm just going to go talk to her. Would you give me some information, something to help, because obviously you, you want to do something. And he said, she has been asking me something very important, and I have an answer for her. I ran over to her. Let's say her name was Veronica. I really don't remember. I said, Veronica, the Lord just sent me because you've been asking something. And she broke down and started weeping. She had just been released from prison, and she didn't know where one of her sons were who was struggling with addiction. And she did not know if he was dead or alive. She could not get a hold of him, and she's just weeping over it. And the Lord told me to let her know that her son was okay. I was like, well, what if he's not? <laughs> so I begin to tell her this, and she just starts weeping, and, and I could just see a mother's relief, just this complete relief wash over her. The man that was with her had a Jesus saves hat. And he said, I have been praying for her 
you know, I've been talking to her in prison, and we've been friends for a long time, but I got saved while she was in prison, and, and I've been praying that she would know Jesus the way I, and, you know, here God sends you. So the three of us lock up hands, and we start to pray for each other, and I just begin to speak the Father's love over her, a faithful father, a faithful father. And her heart was clearly saying yes, but I could have missed it so easily. But we have so many opportunities to show the faithfulness of God. How will they know God is faithful? By his beautiful bride who says yes to him. The righteous acts of the saints, which is what? Given to us. It's given to us. It's not anything we have to try and work and create because God is very serious about this. And so I, my challenge to you would be this. Number one, it would be... Um, Instead of maybe this idea, we, you know, when we walk up to somebody, we say, how are you doing? And we mean it. Sometimes we mean it. I think sometimes, you know, I probably just say, like, hey, how are you doing? Don't answer it. Let me just keep walking. <laughs> but there definitely are the times when we say that and we mean it. How are you doing? That can open up all kinds of complexity, right? Or we could say, how are you doing saying yes to Jesus? That's the question. Are you saying yes to Jesus? If somebody asked me that, that like hit me in the face, square on the nose, am I saying yes to Jesus? Because that's really what it's about, right? So that's my first challenge is are we saying yes to him? His word's very clear. He's given us everything. There is no lack. He's promised us that. No lack of any good thing to carry this out. So it's not a matter of not having what we need. We have it. It's a matter of saying yes and receiving it. That's challenge number one. Challenge number two, are we then in return being the very faithfulness that he's showing to us? Are we being that faithfulness to the world that needs to see the light of Jesus, the true light of Jesus? And that takes stepping out in faith. A lot of times we're, we're afraid to do that. We're afraid we're going to get it wrong. But I would say to you, it's way better to have a few times of getting it wrong with that yes, sincere heart. If your heart is in a true, it's truest state, it's binary yes state, and you're seeking to be the faithfulness of God, are you really going to mess someone's world up as bad as you think you are by trying to be faithful and understand and listen to the Lord? Isn't that what Jesus did? He only did what? What he saw the Father doing. So God's faithful. He's done it. So that's my other challenge. How can we be the faithfulness of the Father to the world around us? That's going to take faith. But he first was faithful so that we can be faith to a world that's perishing. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, it's easy to get tied down with fear and doubt and anxiety. It's easy to try and grab control of our lives because we don't know how to say yes to you. And it swirls around us 
and it bogs us down and it weighs us down, but it really is as easy as saying no to those things and saying yes to you, as saying no to living life on our own and saying yes to surrendering to you completely. That, Lord, you really have worked this thing out in your infinite wisdom that you have given us everything we need to be holy and blameless, to be confident with full assurance in our life, that our life is beautiful to you because of the work of your son, Jesus, that our life is producing the fruit, Jesus, that you desired when you told your disciples and shared so many years ago that you are the true vine, that we can do nothing outside of you, that un unless we abide in you, we cannot do it. We can't, we can't perform any good work. We can't carry out life's task. But if we abide in you and rest in you and say yes to you, your life will flow through us and the Holy Spirit has been given as a promise to this. So I ask right now in our lives, Holy Spirit, be activated in our lives right now. I ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit right now to bring joy. The good news comes with joy. And it's good news because we can see the motivation, passion, and zeal of God to perform this incredible work of bringing us to stand before Jesus in full confidence, spotless and blameless and pure and white and free to love you more. Lord, I ask that you would open our hearts with such great understanding that we would walk out from this place free to love you more, free to say yes to you even more, to be more radical in, in our pursuit of saying yes to you and to say no to the shadows around us that have no meaning, that are empty, that produce no life. This day, Lord, we determine in our hearts to say yes to your promises, to receive them, as you freely have given them to us. We say, set our hearts on you. We say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kind intention towards me, towards every brother and sister in this room. Your kind heart, Lord, to produce this perfect work, Lord, in us through faith. Thank you for faith to endure. Thank you for faith to live. I ask for your blessing on every heart in this place, Amen. for your peace on every heart in this place. We say no to fear. We say no to anxiety. Yes. We say no to depression. We worship you in spirit and truth, and this is what casts off the oppression. This is what casts off the spirit of heaviness when we worship you, and so we choose to do that with the yes, the sincere, truest form of our heart, the yes to you. We thank you for your beauty and your kindness and your love and your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.